0: Welcome to "Women in the Nude," where we expose everything except for our bodies. Leave that to your imagination. I'm so excited for our guest today. Her name is Corey Ruth. She is, I mean, she's brilliant on on so many levels, um, and she's got so much to offer us. So, welcome, Corey. Yeah,
1: thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, obviously, I'll let you talk about what you do. Uh, but Corey is a dietitian specializing in PCOS, um, which obviously if you've listened to me at all over the years, you know um, I have struggled with PCOS and it's been a huge part of my life. So um, hi, welcome.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh, the PCOS struggle. I know it well myself. Yeah. (laughs) Yep.
0: Yes. So um, I guess that's kind of where I want to start is um, did you did you get PC or find out that you had PCOS and then become a PCOS dietitian, or was it the other way
1: around? Yeah, so I I did. I, I kind of knew something was different. Um, I remember being in high school in the locker room, getting ready, you know, after gym class. You know, every everyone straightening their hair in the locker room, and all the girls talking about, oh yeah, my period will be here on Friday, or oh mine's coming Saturday. And I remember hearing that, thinking. How do you know that? Like that's amazing. I have no idea when mine's gonna show up, how long she'll stay, or how quick her visit will be. It was so <laughs> random. Um so I I kind of knew something was different, was off. And I think I felt a lot of shame around that. I felt like to put it like I, I felt like a freak. I felt like I wasn't the normal. And I wish now I could go back and give that little girl a, a, a big hug and, and really normalize a lot of that for her. And it would have saved me so much struggle mentally, physically, you know, um, emotionally, spiritually, all the things. So anyway, as I went through my, my, you know, kind of life after high school and into college and post-college, I decided after college that I wanted to become a dietitian and get my master's degree. And uh, my master's degree. And it wasn't until after that, that I got my formal diagnosis, although I kind of already knew because of all the wacky things that were going on in my body. And I, you know, I started to learn what a big connection there is between what we're eating and how our PCOS symptoms are showing up for us. So I, when I opened the doors to my private practice, I thought, okay, the number one thing I'm not gonna work in is PCOS because it's too complicated, it's too complex, <laughs> there's too many moving parts. But then as I you know, kind of went along, I thought, okay, here I am, a registered dietitian with a, a Master of Science degree, I have PCOS too, I'm kind of the perfect person to step into this space. And so I did and I, I fully embraced it and I have never looked back and I'm so glad that I did. I love
0: that. Um, and obviously I'm, I'm also sorry that you had to deal oh, yes. with that. Um, <laughs> but I love that you um, that you decided to go into that field that you decided to include PCOS. Um, there's a couple of things that resonated with me um when i was just even just scrolling through your instagram uh just how yes. real you are about you know um what you're going through and what other people are going through um figuring out connections um yes. and just overall you you even said like you're annoyed that doctors don't refer people to dietitians they kind of give their own advice yes. so when i i got my period when i was 10 and it's same with you where i was like i yeah i I want that. I want that consistency. Right. Um, yeah. All of my girlfriends were, yeah. All of my girlfriends were getting it, and they were relying on it. And you know, um, I think it's such a, yeah, it's a big part of you know becoming a teenager too. You're like, oh, um, this is so new, and and I feel like it's spoken about a lot. And I had a lot of older girlfriends more mm-hmm. than girls yeah. friends my own age, and so mm-hmm. yeah, they, you know, I just I wanted to be like them, and. Um, i just kind of uh, struggled with my weight um Mm -hmm. as i got you know older um Mm -hmm. i never my period never regulated and just to fast forward for just one second Mm -hmm. only after my son has my period ever regulated in my entire life so um i i yeah I never had a regular period. Um, I was fluctuating in weight. Um, I was having a couple of gastro issues mm-hmm. and I went to 17 gynecologists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went to 17, 17 and wow. they all laughed at me and, and I got everything from like, um, you know, it, it, you're young, it'll regulate. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you must be lying. I got seriously, I got told that I must be lying about what I'm eating because
1: yeah, yeah.
0: like you, you don't, you don't gain weight like that unless you're, Mm -hmm. you're eating badly. I mean, I got, I got so many different things. Um, I got, you know, tested for thyroid disease and diabetes and and all of these things. Um, Mm -hmm. and no one had ever mentioned PCOS. I didn't know what it was until Mm -hmm. I went to an endocrinologist, Mm -hmm. I went to one endocrinologist, she was the only person that truly listened to me oh, yeah. um Just she take one. yeah I, I, exactly it was so relieving and she's you know she was going through all the steps and saying that we have to have a blood test and all those things to confirm right. but right. she really thinks that i have PCOS and i had no idea um so once that was confirmed um she did not send me to a dietitian but yeah. what she did do was ask me to try, cause she was asking about my diet and and what I try and eat. Um, and she asked me to go onto a low carb Mm -hmm. keto diet just to try it, to see how my body responds. Um, so that was the beginning of that journey. And I want to ask you about keto and how -hmm. how you feel about all that too. But that has been the thing that worked for me moving from more of a strict keto diet into a low carb diet, figuring out my body. Um, I firmly believe, and want want to know from you, but from from what I've experienced in my body, trying tons of diets, all of, you know through the years, trying to figure out what works for my body, I do truly feel like everybody is different, and their body needs something different, and no one falls under that classic, you know, you know, this is the only way to be healthy, or women should be eating this way, or um, you know, the the assumptions are endless. Uh, how do you normally go through? Um, the diet process with um, your your clients or your patients.
1: Yeah, great question and big question, and we can have a whole separate podcast, a whole show on on this topic. But um, I just want to back up for a second too. And you know, you mentioned all of the doctors that you went to and all of the advice that you got. Um, I really feel like women women in general can be so gaslit in particular medical settings, and I feel like women with PCOS or women that are dealing maybe with you know um, severe endometriosis labeled as period pain or you know it goes back it goes back ages and ages to the concept of you know hysteria um, for women and and we can be so gaslit in in a hospital medical setting so. Um, anyone who's listening, who that resonates with, you're absolutely not alone and everything that you're feeling is, is real and is valid. If that's your, you know, your lived experience, um, and you're entitled to that. So, and also too, you know, in, when you got your diagnosis, PCOS, it, it is such a, it's, we don't talk about it enough, but it is actually the most common endocrine condition for women in the world. And it's the leading cause of infertility. Um, So, you know, it um, affects a lot more of us than we really think. And yet so many of us have never heard it. And when we get that diagnosis, I always tell clients, you know, sometimes it's oddly validating, right? Because it's like, okay, I have a name, I have a label to all all of the feelings and the symptoms that I've been experiencing. So um, it can be kind of comforting, but also confusing and frustrating and saddening, and all of the emotions. So, uh, speaking to the dietary side of things, um, the keto diet, we actually have research, and the sample sizes of these studies are small, um, but we actually have research that the, something like the keto diet can help to improve PCOS symptoms, help us restore ovulation, um, combat things like facial hair. However, what I know about keto as a dietitian and what you might know also having having done that if you've done the keto diet is it it can be incredibly restrictive um and it's really really hard to maintain long term in fact some of the reasons why we have such small sample sizes in those studies is because we have such a high dropout rate because it's so difficult to keep eating that way forever and ever and when we think about something like pcos you know it is a lifelong condition there is no air quotes, uh, cure. So we really have to work on managing it um, for the rest of our lives. And so we want to pick something, we want to eat in a way that we can maintain. And so what I find is a lower carbohydrate, not, you know, eliminating carbs, because that's really hard to do. And, um, you know, what is life if we can't ever have a slice of pizza or something. So (laughs) Um, low carbohydrate, but high protein, high fiber. So I always tell clients you want to focus on my, the PFF formula, which is protein, fat and fiber those nutrients, so fiber is not technically a macronutrient, but I kind of like to consider it as one. Um, those nutrients are really satiating. So they make you feel full and that's what keeps us from getting a a lot of us struggle with intense sugar, carb cravings, and that Mm -hmm. those nutrients can really help to quiet those down. And they do that by helping to regulate our blood sugar. So eating a lower carbohydrate diet is actually better for blood sugar. And any listener who's like, oh, blood sugar, diabetes, yes, that's typically what we think about when we hear blood sugar or blood sugar issues. We think about diabetes, maybe pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Um, But blood sugar is actually really important for overall hormone balance. So one example with PCOS is when our blood sugar is imbalanced, it's not as, as stable as it could be, should be. It can send messages down to our ovaries to pump out more testosterone. That's a direct connection between, wow. yeah, between how we're eating and how our symptoms and right, like that. That elevated testosterone in women with PCOS it causes us to have facial hair, body hair growth, acne, hair loss on our head, weight gain, irregular periods. So there is literally a direct line from our blood sugar, which is impacted by other things, but mostly our diet and how our PCOS symptoms are appearing for us. So I like to illuminate that for my clients because it helps them to, um, I think it helps them to shift from, okay, just, you know, diet, weight loss changes. No, there's actually a real, real improvements that we can make as you've seen with our PCOS just by changing how we're eating. And so more protein, more fiber. Americans typically get, I think, what is it like 11 to 12 grams of fiber per day? I recommend 35. Um, So we're really not meeting those fiber goals and fiber, protein, and fat can all stabilize blood sugar. And carbs and sugars, again, not saying we have to eliminate these things, but those can make our blood sugar less happy with us. And that can make our <laughs> throw our hormones off. So um, that's typically the type of eating pattern that I like to teach women how to, how to tackle and do it well, right? Because any of us can go yeah. eliminate this or that, but how long are we going to be able to do that? And then we're back at square one. So I really like to, to show yeah. women how to um, how to, how to change their eating habits and meet them where they are and make decisions that are going to be, um, more impactful for their PCOS symptoms in a way that feels good for them.
0: I love that. And I just learned a couple things. Um, oh, I, I knew those things, you know, seriously, I knew those things kind of separately. I didn't, I didn't, um, put it together in that way. So I really appreciate you explaining it like that. Um, and yeah, just to, to go back to like my journey with the keto oh. diet. It yeah. was, it was what kickstarted, I feel like my metabolism yeah. and I have moved to a low carb diet, um, which are really just slight adjustments, but yeah, like you were saying, it really is about what's attainable and sustainable, um, to prevent that binging. Um, and I've really figured out what, what I can and cannot have, like yes. I can go to a party and, you know, and have you, you some bread <laughs> and I can have some dessert and you know, I can, I know how to reset my body and I know how, like what my, my cheat meal is versus yeah. my cheat day. And right. I really do think it is about balancing that. And I feel like people are so scared of fat. Yeah, Obviously it needs to be healthy fat, yes. but I like, I like my good fats. I like my dairy. Um, I'm definitely eating a high fiber diet and, and keeping my protein um, on the, you know, the mid to higher side. And essentially that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially that is kind of the, the less extreme version of keto. I feel like keto is the very extreme version of that. And I don't know if you recommend it, but I like to intermittent fast. That is something that I really love to implement. Um, is that something that you, that you, um, suggest to your, your clients?
1: You know, I, I actually just kind of, um, teach women to, to, be mindful of just an every night overnight fast so allowing the gut to kind of rest mm-hmm. and digest so not trying to eat really really you know late at night and then skip breakfast the next day and go until afternoon before they eat something i like regular Meals and snacks, but that overnight fast is so important. You know, I try to do, you know, 12 hours. Um, you know, if, so if you have dinner at 7 p.m., try to have your breakfast at 7 a.m. Give your body that time every day to air quotes fast, yeah. but really just to make sure that you're allowing everything to kind of, um, like I said, rest and digest and make sure that when you get up in the morning, you're hungry because that's a good sign. We want to be hungry when we wake up, it, it's a good sign when it comes to our cortisol and our metabolism. And we really want to, you know, if you think about the word breakfast, we're literally breaking a fast. The first thing we want to put into our body should be something that's stabilizing for blood sugar, because that's going to give us energy all day long. That's going to make sure, um, you know, we're not having those cravings, and we're getting hungry a couple hours later. We want to get that protein, that fat, and that fiber in first thing when we wake up. Or not, not first thing we wake up, yeah. but you know, within a know way, when we wake up. Not like you get out of bed and then you literally jump to the fridge. Although some mornings might be like that, you know. Uh, but yeah, it you want happen. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's typically how I work with clients.
0: I love that. Um, and then the other thing that you mentioned that I thought was one of the things that I. I learned from your past, what you just said (laughs) um, was the fact that you said that low blood sugar is in a way connected to your ovulation and, and your ovaries. And Mm -hmm. so when I was trying to get pregnant, Mm -hmm. I had kind of, I I was in the mindset that, you know, okay, I have PCOS. It's, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to go into it with the fact that I, I, it'll probably take me, you know, over a year to try and and get pregnant to maybe I, I might need, um, help, you know, yeah. I, I didn't want to stress myself out too bad. I was like, this is, this is going to be a journey. Let me get ready for it. Yes. Um, yes. and I got pregnant within the first month, which oh is my That's beyond lucky. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and, I, I was, uh, yeah, I was so surprised and, yes. and thrilled with that and, and thankful to have a healthy pregnancy. But, yes. um, what I did learn in that short month, um, yes. was that I was ovulating even though I hadn't had a period in probably six months
1: at oh. least. Oh, like um, so
0: weird. for me, uh huh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, for me, I, at, at that time I was having like maybe three periods a year. Mm-hmm. maybe.
1: Okay.
0: And I would obviously never know when it was coming right it would just be you know surprise mother nature um and so what (laughs) right of course always always Um, you know terrible timing always Uh (laughs) right um and so my my endocrinologist had kind of like prepped me too for the fact that you know i hadn't spoken to her as far as i'm going to try and have a baby um but when we had had conversations about about fertility she was mentioning the fact that obviously ovulation is, you know, a little important, um, but that if I'm not ovulating, if I'm not ovulating, there are things that I can take to kind of, um, to try and hopefully force ovulation. So I had all of that in my head and then I was shocked to find that I was actually ovulating even without a period. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, um, I'm crazy that blood sugar is connected to, to your ovulation. And of course it makes sense. And I mean, I'm sure as, As you know, your gut is so important to everything in your body. You know, if you know your gut's not right, it can mess with all sorts of things in your body. Yeah. Um Mm -hmm. one thing I actually haven't uh, talked about yet anywhere. So surprise. (laughs) Um is (laughs) the fact that I (laughs) yeah, laid out there. Um women in the new, you know, um, is the fact that I (laughs) I found out I had epilepsy at 15. um, and yeah. And, you know, because I didn't have a regular period, we didn't realize until now that it's, it's, it's um, connected to my menstrual cycle. Really? I am, I, I only have one or two seizures a year, but it's, I'm always at risk during my, my menstrual cycle. Wow. I did. Not and yeah. And so before we couldn't really connect it, but now it's, it's clear that those are my risky times. It's like a week and a half period. Uh, No pun intended. And, um, and it's based on hormones. Um, and I was told years ago that like women of childbearing age, uh, it it can be, you know, in their, in their twenties, it can be brought on, but it was so like off the cuff. And like my, my neurologist at the time didn't even think that was possible. He was so,
1: um,
0: actually to be frank, he was very misogynistic and couldn't care less about women's health. Um, and he he wasn't willing to figure out why I was having my seizures. He was just he was just focused on the pills he could give me, um, and which is frustrating in itself. But um, to know that your hormones and neurological issues can be so intertwined and connected, and the fact that controlling my PCOS um, helps me control my seizures and vice versa—it's such a your body is so incredible. And the way that it operates is like a machine. You mm-hmm. know, we take care of our cars. Yeah, we don't take care of our bodies um, enough, we go in and we get our car serviced, we get yes. them, you know, essentially a checkup, a physical mm-hmm. for our car.
1: Mm-hmm. But we
0: don't, we're not as consistent with that um, for ourselves. Uh, and, and so yeah, it's been quite a journey for me. Um, um, what what do you how do you um, kind of Talk to clients who are trying to get pregnant if they're struggling with infertility issues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fascinating about epilepsy. I, I really don't know much. Sorry. I know. I keep I I like throw five things oh, at really? you and then try and get you. To-
1: <laughs> I'm used to it. I love doing podcasts. Um. Yeah. So okay. Ovula- let's talk about the infertility piece. Um. So the reason why PCOS is the leading cause of infertility is because so many of us have problems with ovulation so we're not ovulating regularly. And how do you know that? Well, if, you're, if your periods are all over the place, like say you go, um, you know, uh, 87 days without any bleeding, and then, then you have a period or a bleed, and then you go 16 days and it shows up again, and then it's 55 days in between that, that's a sign that you might not be ovulating, but it definitely means you're not ovulating regularly. And what does that mean? You're basically... A normal period is defined as um, having a cycle roughly every 25 to 35 days. That's the general average. So if you're, if that's not you, you know, it could be that you're not ovulating regularly. And um, ovulation is essential for pregnancy. Now, if someone is listening to this and they're like, "Oh, I like, you know, like you, I, I, I get three, maybe two periods a year. Can I get pregnant?" Yes, it just takes one ovulation um and if we ovulate we have just as good of a chance as anybody else i had a client who ovulated on day 175 of her cycle um and her daughter just turned 2 so it you know Aww. if we ovulate yes if we ovulate we have a shot but the the trick is to make sure that's happening and you know if you think about it um if someone's only ovulating 3 times a year And if you think about even pregnancy without PCOS, women typically have roughly, if you perfectly time intercourse, a couple has typically about a 25% chance of pregnancy that time. Um, But however, that actually, as we get older, and I'm in my mid-30s now, so definitely something I'm thinking about more, but um, that percentage declines. So, um, it's, it's not, you know, pregnancy is so, it's so fascinating. It's so elusive. It's so mysterious. Is it going to happen? You know, it's something we really don't have a lot of control over. And I know that for people like me who are more type A, you know, we want to have that control. We want to, we want to do right. We want to make sure we know what's going on. So it can be such a frustrating journey. But so if you if you have that ovulation and or say say you're only getting a period a couple times a year and you're like, I don't even know if this could happen. We just have to get you to ovulate. And the more chance, the more times you ovulate in a given year, um, of course, you have to time intercourse correctly and make sure there's no other issues, like for example, like something with sperm health or something of that nature. Um, that will give you more chances. And so, of course, that's a higher likelihood that you will conceive successfully. So it's really about getting women with PCOS to understand the connection between, you know, like we talked about nutrition, um, exercise, stress. That's a huge one. Adrenal health and stress um, is is huge for us. And there's such a, a huge connection. Um, you know, making sure they're taking supplements if they need some extra support or more nutrients, if they're deficient somewhere, um, to try to make sure that all of these pieces, the gut health piece, super important. Like you said, gut health is tied to everything, energy levels, skin, fertility Um, It really is tied to everything. So we want to make sure we're addressing that. There's, you know, several pillars that we want to be looking at um, to make sure we're giving someone all of the support they need in order to successfully conceive. And then, of course, the rest is up to them to time it correctly, Um, you know, make sure that they have explored if there's anything else in addition that could be preventing that process, for example, Ovulation is not the only thing, you know, when it comes to pregnancy that needs to happen. We want to make sure your tubes are open. There's no scarring. Um, Like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. your partner's sperm is healthy. Um, Make sure your egg quality and egg reserve is there. You know, again, as we get older, you know, we're, we're actually born with all of the eggs that we'll ever have. So we right. continuously lose them, unfortunately, as we get older, and that's why fertility declines as we get older. Not to say it can't happen, of course, but um your chances are going to be you know lower if you're in your early forties versus twenty five right? So we also have to consider egg egg reserve and egg quality because our the quality of our eggs also declines, and this is true for men too. Sperm also, men are not exempt from age-related fertility decline. Um, <laughs> sperm can age and ba- basically get, you know, misshapen or they swim backwards. We have more of that um, as men age well, as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I didn't really get swim backwards. I'm sorry. It's not,
1: it's not like funny, but about. it's funny. the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yes, I know, right? Yeah, the one in the bunch. Uh, it's like you have one job. Um, Seriously. So- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we want to make sure that we're supporting all, all aspects of fertility. And ovulation is, is kind of number one as far as PCOS is concerned. So I get asked a lot, um, how do I know if I'm ovulating? Right. Like, how do I know that? It's not like, you know, we get a text from Mother Nature. It's like, hey, girl, like, get <laughs> yes. like get ready. Get ready that would be nice. Um, although we don't have that system as of, as of now. Um, so one thing you can do, um, is to track your temperature and that sounds crazy, right? We think of like Mm -hmm. a a temperature, um, a thermometer brain fart, um, when we're sick, a basal, no, you're good.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Basal thermometer, right. That's what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, BBT, we call them basal body temperature. Yeah. And you can actually use your body temperature to tell you that you're ovulating. Like, how cool is that? Um, it's not something it's we amazing. can feel. Yeah, it's not like we're walking around like sweating all, all the time after we ovulate. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, it detects like really, really <laughs> changes. Um, and we have such cool stuff right now out. Um, we have the one that I love and, and use and recommend. It's like a wearable. You can just slap it on your arm at night, cool. wear it at night. Take it off whenever you wake up and it tracks your temp all night long and it gives you an average. And once your temperature rises and it stays high, you know that ovulation has been confirmed and there's all different kinds of apps. This is very different than a period tracking app, by the way, y'all. If you're like, I have that, um, this is a a more kind of um, intricate system. But it is the coolest thing because not only can we confirm that we ovulated, like, yes, I, my body's doing its thing. It's on track. But we can also troubleshoot if there are problems, right? If we ovulate, right. if we're trying to get pregnant, um, we really want to make sure we have a healthy, long, what we call luteal phase, which is the time from ovulation to the time when you would get a period. And the reason why is because that's when progesterone wants to stay high and progesterone maintains a pregnancy. So if we if that phase is too short, we're not producing enough progesterone and we can't get pregnant with that we need that progesterone. So by tracking your, your basal body temperature, we can see, oh, your luteal phase is actually only nine days. Like, and there it's fixable. There are things Mm. we can do to lengthen it, but that's something that you would never know if you weren't tracking your, your temperature and you, you didn't know about ovulation and confirming that. So even if fertility is like, yeah, the last thing on your mind, I always tell, you know, my clients, um, and, and my followers that you should track you should track ovulation anyway, because it's such a great indication um, indicator of our health and um, hormone health, you know, and fertility. Again, even if you don't want babies right now, or you don't ever or whatever, wherever you are, just having that understanding of your hormones, um, you know, and, and making sure they're healthy and your cycle is healthy. is just so important. I mean, it's literally your period has been called the fifth vital sign for women, um, you know, really right. showing us where we are health-wise, and is there anything we can do to optimize that and get it in a better place? So I love that. Um, I love that system to to help teach women. You know, how do I know if this is happening for me or not? Is there even a chance of pregnancy? Right. Where am I? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I yeah. So for for me, well, the way I was tracking it was the ovulation p sticks and yes. that thermometer. Yeah. Um, so I was doing both. Um, and I had only heard about that when I was trying to get pregnant. I, mm-hmm. I hadn't heard about it before and I thought that was so cool. Um, and I know, I mean, I think there's a couple apps like that now and, and that sort of thing that are actually, you know, I don't, I recommend protection. Let me yes. just announce that. Uh, but I do know that there, I, I know, uh, a couple friends and uh, I've seen this come up, you know, on, on Instagram ads and whatever, but, um, how to prevent pregnancy as well. You know, when, you know, when you're ovulating, you know, when to not, you know, have sex and, um, that, that is also helpful. So yeah, no matter what your situation is, I agree. It's so good, um, to know just, you know, regardless of PCOS, just in general, knowing your overall health and, and how that's connected. Um, Mm-hmm. And a, just a total side note, mm-hmm. I do think it's funny that when we are, are trying to get pregnant with a partner, my husband was not like this, by the way, just yeah. just to clarify. Um, but I, I have also noticed with friends, spouses or yeah. partners in general that they mm-hmm. um, don't want to get tested when it comes to their sperm. Yeah. Um, and I find that so hilarious to me you know it's like because of, of course that can't be the pro- i'm not the, not the problem you know it's always it's it's oh yeah it's it's not my problem mm, could be though um so i think and in, in, in that way too it's also good for men to understand their health um and you know it, it plays a huge part into their own hormones and, and what makes their body work um so i i would say if there's if there's men listening to this or if there are Women that are trying to get pregnant, encourage your mm-hmm. significant other to go in and yes. and see and make sure that all of their levels are great. Um so Yeah. And it, it is. It's, it's so crazy that, you know, there are people that have one night stands and have a baby considering mm-hmm. how many stars have to align to get pregnant, oh, which I think is it's the most frustrating thing. And I I can't even uh, imagine, you know, I'm, I I didn't struggle with infertility, but again, I have lots of friends that had to, you know, go through almost two years of trying to get pregnant with help. And, and you're like, how does that happen? Where you just, you you know, like, it's, it's insane to me. Um,
1: so true, but
0: it is. Scientifically, it's such an increase, uh, an incredible thing. Um, And i feel like i'm and just in general always learning more and more about it and i think it's just yeah it's it's incredible um so true Mm -hmm. and um i'm what do you do you see men as well like do do you have men come into your office or is it just women
1: i don't i i just work with within the pcos population so
0: yeah okay yeah but yeah oh i just i was just curious um
1: yeah when i used to do one-on-one stuff um a lot of times partners would come in and you know listen in on a session and i love that i think Mm -hmm. that's so cool and yeah going back to the piece talking about how you know some men want to just not get their sperm tested everything's fine you know it, it just doing that but also just understanding like cycle tracking and even pcos stuff like that just makes this whole this whole experience so much less isolating and it, it becomes a collaborative yeah. experience. And like my fiance now he will ask me like where I'm at in my cycle or I will tell him like, hey, like, By the way, my period's coming in a few days, so sorry if I'm a little off, or um, sorry if I (laughs) yelled up. But it actually is really nice, and otherwise he would have just been like, "Wow, like she's crazy." But he can be like, "Oh, like her period's gonna come." Like he knows that that is a time when I might not show up as my best self, and that's okay. And it really normalizes that, and I love that about our relationship and I really love when partners can be involved, you know, and ask questions. And I always encourage people who take my program, you know, women with PCOS Have your partner join in at least the nutrition section, right? If like he's cooking some of your meals or if he's helping you, you know, prep or he will know how to set up your plate. And I, I love that about my fiance. He's always very mindful. He'll be like, oh, do you want a little bit less of the, you know, rice or whatever? Like he's so great about that. And I just love when partners can become part of our healing journey. It just makes it so much more powerful. I love it.
0: I completely agree. My husband's very supportive with that. And honestly, I don't think that I could, um, I, I mean, I, I could, but I don't think I would be as you know good at it, uh, managing my, my PCOS if it wasn't for his support, because like you said, it can feel so isolating. And even though he doesn't know exactly what it feels like, he has seen me go through that journey and, um, understands how vital it is to keep it, um, balanced and just like you said like your your hormones you know inevitably make you uh, can make you feel crazy and and kind of you know make make your emotions and and mm-hmm. fatigue and a lot of things that come along yeah. with awesome. just even someone's normal period you know N- right. not even necessarily anyone that has any issues um so true yeah so it is mm-hmm. it is so helpful to have a partner that you can talk to and um you know communicate that you need more support in one area or another and yeah i i really do appreciate that and also yeah. congratulations oh, thank you <laughs> when did you guys get engaged
1: oh my gosh last february um but we are nice. wedding planners we just moved so We've been, you know, all the new house, all the move, we moved to a different state. So that's been a lot. So it's like, okay, we'll put the wedding again on the back burner, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen one day. And we have yeah. a one and a four year old. So we're like really bad at this, but it will happen.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. My son just turned three. Um, and cool. Yeah. yeah kids are yeah they're they're so fun um well congratulations on the move and we took two years to plan our wedding and I'm glad that we took that time really awesome. and yeah it's it's yeah. it's something to look forward to and try you know as as you know try not to stress about it um right but it'll it'll be fun when it happens yeah exactly. um yeah. we've we'll moved let- so many states Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Yeah! Oh my gosh! Moving is just—it can be such a pain in the ass.
1: And moving with kids,
0: I've gotten better and better at it. Nice. Oh, (laughs) atrocious! I moved across this. Yeah, I moved across the U.S. with uh, a baby, and we've Mm -hmm. moved twice since with him. And and it it is—it's—it's a lot. Yes, it's stressful. It's way more stressful than without a kid. It is. Um. 100. Yes. I. Yeah. Um, so
1: you got a one and four year old are Please. boys, girls. My four-year-old is a girl and my one year old's a boy. So got one of each and they definitely yes. on my toes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, having, yeah, absolutely. having a daughter. Yeah. yeah, I know. Um having a daughter with, you know, um ha- as someone who has PCOS definitely makes me think about it in a different way. You know, um, thinking about like one of my first thoughts when I found out I was having a girl was Could she have this too? You know, and the the statistics show that women, it's, uh, let me think, let me go backwards. It's daughters of mothers who have PCOS are eight times likelier to have PCOS too. So it's definitely something that I I think about. And I get asked a lot by women who have PCOS who say, Can I prevent my daughter from getting this? And the answer is no. However, on the flip side, Think about how amazing it could be to arm yourself with all of the knowledge and the tools that you can so that your daughter never has to struggle through anything the way that you did. And I think about that for myself, you know, my own journey with PCOS and all of the weight uh, stuff that I have been through and all of the hormonal stuff I think about how lucky I am to work in this space so that potentially, even if she does end up having PCOS, I can teach her everything I know. And she will be, she will feel as isolated or alone or like a freak of nature, the way that I describe feeling, um, or like less womanly or whatever those feelings that come up could be. Um, my hope is that she won't feel that way because she has me. So if that resonates with anyone listening, I hope it does, um, because it's definitely something that I've thought about as a mom with a girl, with a daughter. So yeah, hopefully yeah. she doesn't, but we we never know. <laughs> that was actually going to be my question is, you know, uh, yeah,
0: how, how are you going to address that? And what, what I love about that too, is not only is she, yes, very lucky that she she has you. Um, but even if it's not PCOS, even if it's just, you know, in general, anything to do with her body, um, she's got such a great support system and that is so lucky. Uh, my mom has, um, or had, um, a hyperactive thyroid and I've got diabetes on both sides of my family, type one and type two. And so I think we're just also very susceptible to these (laughs) types of conditions. Um, and so, yeah, it's a very, it's, it's so, so frustrating. Um, but like you actually had said before, you know, it's almost validating to know what it is. Like I was so okay. relieved when I found out that there was a name for it because, uh, you know, you do, you feel like you're going crazy and right. no one's listening to you and you don't know what's going on with your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I finally got that, I was so relieved. And yes, if, if you know, your daughter has it or for, for those listeners out there who think that maybe your mm-hmm. daughters have PCOS or something similar,
1: right.
0: um, just knowing. I feel like we're always so scared of an answer. Like we don't go to the doctor because we don't want to hear bad news. But <laughs> when you know what it is, that is the only time that you can actually move forward and try and fix it and exactly. um okay. yeah, to to get that head start on it would have been oh. so cool. So right, exactly. she's in good hands. Yes. Um, yeah. Um and and then also too, like uh, you know having a boy what w- yeah. whatever he ends up doing later in life, like um I just I, I'm like so dedicated on teaching him how to support other people, you know, yeah. men, women, people yeah. in general, um, mm-hmm. and and like being understanding towards p- things that you don't understand, whether it's right. it's women and what they're going through physically or just in general and anyone's walk of life. Like right. it is so vital um, to mm-hmm. try and raise a, a, a son that will be a good yeah. partner to whoever oh, he loves. Oh my
1: gosh, I always um, so true.
0: Yep. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, mm-hmm. Like wh- when I found out that I had a uh, that I was having a boy, first of all, we were totally shocked. We thought we were having a girl because everybody in our family has had a girl first oh, on both sides. So we were like, well, it's a girl. Funny. Yeah, we like didn't even really think twice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> did I what? Sorry. Did
1: you find out before, um, before he was born or did you wait? yes you did yeah
0: I'm a control freak me too not in every part of my life but yeah in many ways and there is no way that I could have waited I would have gone crazy it was right in the middle of COVID I would have oh, yeah. I think I, I would have yeah it, it would have just been it would have been yes. too much um I would have rather held onto that secret and known and not told Hudson my husband <laughs> than, yes. than than then not find out like I I like had to find out yeah um but yeah, we were, we were surprised when we were having him and a couple of things like went through my mind. Um, just the importance of, of raising, uh, you know, a, a a kid properly and no matter what, but also Mm -hmm. to, yeah, how you raise a boy in this day and age. Um, and you know, the things that we are lucky to be more aware of, Mm -hmm. um, and things that are just more, more, acceptable to be talked about. And, um, but I also was kind of like, I did, this is sad. And obviously if we had a girl, I would, I would love that girl, you know, beyond, but I was almost relieved that we were having a boy because I feel like the, there are so many struggles that women go through and so many things that you have to teach and talk about with your girls when they're, when they're little and up into becoming an adult that, um, that I feel like can just be so overwhelming. It's so important. And it, and it's so, um, vital to teach them those things, but man, um, is it a lot? Um, yep. and you having, yeah, one of each, um, mm-hmm. you, you absolutely know what that's mm-hmm. like. Um, is it intimidating or do you feel like you're, you know, I know there's still so little, but, um, or, mm-hmm. you know, are you and your, your, uh, fiance, <laughs> have you talked about it? Are you up for that journey? <laughs>
1: No, I know it's yeah, it's so true. I did feel that same relief when I found out I was having Cameron, my boy. Um, But you know, I see it. I see so many things coming through so early with my four-year-old, like. I, um, I mean the tood, the tood is one thing, but, um, I thought that started like, the- <laughs> <laughs> apparently no. Um, but like, she's, she's just obsessed with like accessories. Like she wants to wear a ring on every finger. I don't know why. Um, she wants to put, to put like Aww. 90 on in her hair. She wants to wear her gowns to bed. Like she wants to wear her princess dresses. Aww. I'm like, wow, this is happening. Like it's happening, you know? So it's like already that yeah. like, um, physical kind of thing. I can see the very early buds starting to emerge. Um, But the good thing is, you know, I have done a lot of thinking about how to address these issues and read up on them. And I think that's all we can do. Um, but yeah. it definitely is, you know, and thinking about just all of the physical stuff that we are so pressured with you know when it comes yeah. to hair and nails and makeup and weight and just all of the things it, it really is a lot i feel like you know someone could write a whole i'm sure they're they, they have but write a whole book on that you know and i would read it covered cover. Yeah. um but it is it's a lot of pressure for sure and um you know when it comes to the having a boy i love what you said about making sure you know they're a good partner and I always think about that. And I always, I always talk about that. You know, we hear mom's joke like, oh, like nobody's good enough for my baby. I reject that. Like, I want to make sure my baby is yeah. good enough for a woman who's going to be um, good to him, obviously. But I want to make sure he's a good enough man and that's where my work is yeah. and um and it's it's really nice to have that mother son dynamic because you know we get to instill in them so many things from the female side that they get to carry on with them eventually into whatever relationship evolves for them and there is a lot of pressure yeah. there too but i feel less less so in that regard me personally than you know some of the the more physical um, challenges that I know are going to pop up with my daughter. So it's just really different. It's so different. I'm ready for it all, but I'm also a little scared, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, I, I was an only child or am an only child and I, um, yeah, (laughs) still an only child. (laughs) Um, And I, um, you know, I started in the industry when I was really young. I started in the entertainment industry when I was mm-hmm. like three and a half, four. Mm-hmm. And I grew up really fast. Um, just I I didn't really connect with kids my own age. I was around adults all the time. Um, you know, being an only child, I was homeschooled and I, I loved my childhood um, and I, I don't regret it at all. But, yeah, there was a, a lot of those uh, things that I think I learned. Uh, good and bad early as, yeah. as a female. Um, and my poor mom, um, I, she was driving me and my friend and my friend's older sister in the car. Mm-hmm. And my friend's older sister, um, started talking to us about masturbation oh. and I was eight. Oh my God. And my mom <gasps> freaked out. <laughs> yeah. oh. Um, rightly rightly so um and so I I yeah and so she was kind of faced with this like okay well you know I'm asking questions obviously I didn't know what that was at that age um and like how do you how do you deal with that I mean these were you know it was me and and two of they're they're both girls you know um Um, it's not like you know it's it wasn't there was no it was curiosity but also um right you know it's it's like the the older siblings or the environments that you know people are around and so my mom my mom took me to the library and um i <laughs> and, and rented this book um and she had me read it and uh you know i don't remember a lot about it but it was i do remember it being very um a lot about autonomy and, um, and, and, you know, how everything works and it wasn't, you know, overly sexual that I remember anyway. And it just, it was very, you know, like this is what happens and this is how it happens. And, you know, there's no stork involved and and all of those things. Um, and one thing though, like as, as I've gotten older, um, what I think is so interesting and, and feel free to disagree with me. Obviously these topics are very, um, I don't want to say touchy, but like everyone has, it's very personal. Everyone has, you know, different feelings on it. Um, but what, um, what I thought is so interesting about raising a kid is trying to navigate when they're ready for it. Um, because every kid is ready for it at a different age or when you're put into a position like that, where, you know, how do we communicate with our kids? Well, especially with those conversations that are, are really, um, awkward and and can feel really, I feel like icky from a parent, but kids, kids are so, um, yeah, yeah, I feel like it's one-sided, you know, kids are usually, they don't, they don't care. They don't understand it yet. So they they don't have any weird feelings about it. It's like, but it feels weird to talk to your kids about that stuff. Um, And, um, yeah, so like avoid, like trying to anticipate those conversations is just crazy to me. And my kids three, I can't even imagine talking to him about that stuff. (laughs) Um, but raising a boy and raising a girl, um, I just, yeah, yeah, I feel like, and I'm, uh, there's a question here, I promise. Um, (laughs) I'm not just talking at you. What I think is interesting because I've, I was talking to a friend about this recently who has kids that are older um was that her teenage son yeah she was teaching her teenage son um but now he's he's got a girlfriend he's almost 18 he's very much you know almost an adult yes. um yeah she had a conversation with him which he hated but appreciated oh later God. about yeah. you know eventually like as a partner um understanding that what makes him feel good doesn't necessarily make her feel good.
1: Oh yeah. And that
0: he needs to be aware of that and, and make sure that, you know, that mm-hmm. he's not just thinking about himself. And I thought that was, yes, uh, it, it's a hard conversation to have, but how brilliant now yeah. everyone's going to have a different opinion on it and that yeah. is okay. Yeah. Um, but those conversations I feel like are not, common, right? Especially, uh, you know, you know, it's like, it's like, they have to learn that along the way. And, it's, you know, let's face it, some never do. Yes. Uh, but like, the yeah. fact that like, women's, yeah, women's bodies are different. Yes. Women's bodies react differently. And, and, you know, we should be, well, maybe not we should be, like, do you feel like that is something that is important to to teach your kid when they let me completely say only when they're ready, when they are close to adulthood? Is that something that you agree with that, like teaching them not just body health, but like that women, men and women are different. And if they are pursuing someone of the opposite sex that, you know, they should understand that their bodies are different and they might need something else. (laughs) By the way, this is an explicit uh, podcast, so you could say whatever you want to say. I'm just... (laughs) Uh, I just you know I I'm, yes. I'm dancing around it. Yeah, I don't need to be, but I am.
1: Yes, no, totally I 100% agree. I mean think about what a different world we would live in if every mother took it upon herself to bravely tackle that subject um, with her son. plural yeah. maybe. Absolutely. and it's such a hard combo to have and I, I say that lightly be- or I say that not lightly because I haven't had to have it. Um, But I know I'll be there and it'll happen. And
0: same, obviously.
1: (laughs) Yes, I know. Okay, so we'll be here before we we know it. And um, yeah, I think that that is so necessary. And um, just something that, you know, we're never, we can't really expect for our kids to necessarily learn in school. Um, They might get the more matter of fact, you know, very basic sex education like I had. Um, But there needs to be so much more said there. And I think that is part of our job is to illuminate that for them, even if it's uncomfortable, <laughs> which it could be. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, and, and I guess it's more weird if it isn't weird. <laughs> like there is a certain amount of, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I thought that was so, so interesting. And it, it just made me think a lot about how, mm-hmm. you know, eventually when Hendrix gets to that age, what that's mm-hmm. going to be like. And, and I do feel like having, you know, there is such a balance between being your kid's best friend, but also still being their parent, and yeah. and those lines. and mm-hmm. And I think ultimately, too, just like you know, do you want them to learn from other people or for, from social media, you know, their peers, or do you want them to hear it from you first? Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think that you know, those are all just. And, and again, like my mom witnessed, uh, sometimes you can't get to it fast enough, Uh, but it it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a Um, social media. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I obviously didn't, social media wasn't a thing at that point. Um, and so, yeah, when it comes to our kids being that age and what they're going to potentially have access to is just, crazy. My husband's yeah. on the side of not fearing it. And I'm doing my best to not fear it. I'm like, yeah. you know, <laughs> yes. this is it's all relative. You know, my parents didn't understand what my space was. Right. I loved my space. Okay. And there's definitely trouble that I could have gotten into. But I was a I was a good, you know, know. I was a good teenager. Right. Um, yes. But but yeah, it, it is so weird. But it's like, okay, it's the same thing. My, my goal is to just keep up. with everything that's out there so that I'm not in the dark. Like I feel like a
1: lot of parents are. Yeah, that's a really good way to approach it, honestly.
0: Yep. (laughs) Um, Okay, so getting back to what you do. um, What made you want to start the Imperfect PCOS podcast? Which, by the way, to all of our listeners, I will be linking everything from Corey. She has so much going on and I love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I have a book on PCOS coming out too, um, sometime next year. So yeah, just just another platform, another Avenue. I love podcasts. I loved my favorite thing to do is to go for a walk outside where I can just, you know, connect with nature and trees and the sunshine and listen to a podcast. I feel like I learn better. I take it in better. So I wanted to start something that, um, could give women with PCOS just another resource to learn and, we don't just talk about PCOS, we talk about all kinds of women's health issues from mental health stuff, anxiety, you know, depression, irritability, PMDD, um, PMS stuff to, you know, more of the physical things like hair loss, acne. Um, We talk about, you know, there's infertility, it really encompasses a wide range of topics. But um, as much as I can show up for women who have this diagnosis, the better, because, you know, like I said, I... I wish that that was there for me when I was trying to get a grip on my health and understand what steps I needed to take to just feel better, to just feel like myself. Um, and um, yeah, so so that's why what drove me to make it. Um, but um, I hope it's helpful. It's new, you know, so step, it's definitely a learning process. But um, the, the farther I go along with that, I hope that I can beef it up and get more, you know, guests and, um, and just make it a really great, uh, resource. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yes, same, uh, you know, new podcasts, same mm-hmm. boat. It, it is, um, it's a learning process, but yes. what I do know is that, um, you know, building a community for, for women to, mm-hmm. um, understand themselves, uh, know that they're not alone, um, yes. you know, grow and, and just figure themselves out is so important. So, uh, thank you for, for putting that, um, out there in the world, because what I also know about PCOS is that even though more and more women are finding out about it, mm-hmm. it's still very convoluted. Yes. Um, and we need people like you who um, are experts in the field, you know, to, to be out there and, and, um, be showing up on social media and podcasts and books, um, instead of, you know, Mm -hmm. because of women's healthcare, like trying to find, trying to find doctors that will listen to them, trying to find dietitians that will listen to them. That is so much harder than being like, okay, here's a community of women all trying to do the same thing with real information. And, you know, and this is how, and this is how we all get better together. Um, so, so definitely thank you for that. Uh, what's your book called?
1: Yeah, I don't know yet. I'm, uh, we've only gotten like two chapters down. So, um, okay. yeah, definitely working on that, but I think it's going to be something That's awesome, spinning it into a positive. Like I always like to say like PCOS is actually a superpower for me because if I didn't have this diagnosis, I never would have paid attention to my health in the way that I do. I never would have, um, yeah. took it upon myself to understand my hormones and how they impact, not just PCOS things, but, um, my energy levels, my mood, um, you know, how my period shows up for me and like what I experience around that, my diet. Um, there's so many things that PCOS has given to me as much as it's taken away. So I think I want to just kind of spin it in a more positive light because it is, you know, we talk about it obviously it's so negatively a lot, but um, if, you know, I'm an yeah. optimist, so I want to point out the silver linings to the fact that we can use this info to, to really, uh, leverage our health. So something around those lines, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's such a, it's a, such a fun process. I love to write. Um, and it's a nice excuse to do that. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Well, yeah. I'm excited for it. Um, yeah. I wrote a cookbook, which is very that's different, awesome. but that's awesome. man, yeah it was so fun, but it was, it's a lot of work. Um, and you know, it's obviously there's a lot of recipes in there, but there was also a lot of personal writing and stuff that I put Mm -hmm. into it and I loved it, but, um, it's not even that I underestimated the work, but being in it, sitting in it, doing it. Um, yeah, it's, it's really intense, but it it really is, um, putting a book out there, no matter what it is, it, it really does feel good. And, um, it does really feel like a, like a major accomplishment. So,
1: yeah, okay.
0: um, I will be ready and waiting for that.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. they will be yeah. recipes and, um, I love to cook too. I do a lot of recipe development, so there'll be like low carb, high protein, you know, high fiber, but actually yummy, <laughs> um, recipes. Cause that's, so a- it'll be
0: a guidebook for me.
1: yeah yeah totally so hopefully yeah hopefully it's helpful that
0: actually is something that I I wanted to mention because okay so um for our our listeners the women's dietitian is your instagram handle and I did see that you have so many recipes on there and it made me so excited um like your enchilada your chicken enchilada soup I was like I'm here for that um it
1: really is
0: yes. So I, I thoroughly appreciate that. And I know people that follow you do too, because I think that is, you know, obviously that is your job, you're, you're a dietitian, but yeah. I feel like that is one of the hardest things about PCOS yeah. is trying to figure out what, what the hell to eat, you know? Totally. Um, 100%. and yeah. so I guess that kind of brings me to my next question, which yeah. is, yes, everybody is different, but what does, what does your day look like? You know, um, as yeah. far as, when you get up in the morning, you know, your routine, your, do you, uh, yeah. You, you tell me.
1: <laughs> ah, yeah. I, um, well, yeah, for, for the, the cooking and the food piece, I have, like we talked about, I have two little kids and I work full time. So I never want to create recipes that are, are going to be time consuming and, you know, fancy and expensive. I really try to make recipes that are yeah. really simple. And, um, because I need that in my own personal life. So, um, I keep it really simple. Honestly, I do, because I do so much cooking for my job and my, you know, my social media content, I do a lot of leftovers just based on what I'm cooking for the week. So if I have two dinner dishes, like best believe that's what we're going to be having for dinner. Like, sorry guys, Um, But they love they love to eat the food that I make. So it's fine. But um, yeah, I get I get my both my kids up. Um, I make everyone breakfast. I'll try to do something really, really fast and simple, Um, drop them off at school. And then I come home. I work from home. So I do a lot of um, content creation for social media. I run two different PCOS programs several times a year. Um, So I do a lot of um, work within those communities and making sure I'm responding to everybody's questions. Um, I have my podcast, my book going on. Gosh, it's like endless. (laughs) There's so much. Oh, and then I have a supplement line, a PCOS supplement line. So I do a lot of work there. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I'm coming out with a new one that's like an inositol um, product. So I do a lot of work making sure that my, you know, sales are, you know, on track and my inventory is in. And um, women, again, feel like they have one more thing that they can, you know, put in their toolkit to manage them. So yeah, every day is different. I absolutely love it. Um, I do leftovers for lunch normally, Uh, leftovers for dinner probably, (laughs) like giving all my secrets away. Um, I'm a big snacker. I I, like love snacks. I also have a huge sweet tooth. So I try to make my like desserts and my snacks. If they're going to be sweet, I try to amp them up with a lot of protein, maybe some fiber. And that way I can make sure that I'm, you know, not my blood sugar isn't getting off track completely. So yeah. Share those
0: details because I have such a sweet tooth um, and always have.
1: Yes. How do
0: you, yeah. How do you, how do you balance that? Yeah. What what kind of recipes do you suggest for that?
1: Yeah. Um, so I always like to do desserts or like I said, if I'm doing snacks that are on the sweeter side, which I kind of gravitate towards mostly, um, I try to make sure there's protein in them. So for example, like a really great snack that I love is like a Greek yogurt because it's really high in protein, but everyone's like, Oh, plain Greek yogurt. Like, ew, I don't like the taste. Um, but if you add something to that, if you add some like lately, I've been microwaving um, frozen berries, and it they they get they just have a totally different flavor, and you can swirl them into your yogurt, and it really sweetens them naturally. And then Ooh. I'll add some chia or peanut butter to it. So I'm basically like making or like some chocolate chips. There's a couple brands I like. There's one called. Um, uh, Bake Believe, um, there's another one called Lilies, and then there's another one called um, Skinny Dipped, which makes the, like, uh, chocolatey almond candies. Anyway, those are all sweet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like monk fruit or stevia, so they're not going to raise my blood sugar, but they really taste pretty darn good for chocolate, so I'll add some of those chocolate chips in, and it feels it feels decadent. It feels like a a treat, which I want, but it's, I know that I've got lots of protein and fiber to balance out that potential blood sugar spike that would otherwise exacerbate my PCOS. So, um, stress is a huge thing for me, you know, talking about daily routine, I stress really impacts my cycle. So I try to make sure that I'm getting in some movement. Um, even if it's just a walk outside with a podcast, um, to balance that out and make sure that I'm, you know, listening to my body and really prioritizing that piece. Although I'm not always perfect at that. So, um, it's a work in progress, but, um, yeah, desserts are definitely part of my life and I just try to make them, I just try to boost them up with more nutrition to make them better for my hormones. Yeah.
0: So I, of the Lily's brand, that's, those are the chocolate chips that I get and I love those. Um, Mm yeah, My other question is, which I I know like a little bit about this and I try and steer away from them as much as possible, but sugar alcohols, um, Um, what is your opinion on sugar alcohols?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's pros and cons. (laughs) The pros are um, they are not going to spike your blood sugar and they're usually calorie free. Um, So that's nice if you're working on weight loss or something like that um but in large quantities they can cause some gi discomfort for a lot of us and i am somebody who is really sensitive to them if i eat or drink a beverage that has a bunch of like erythritol in it oh my gosh i am paying for it but yeah. some people or like it's in ice creams a lot of sh- uh low sugar right. sugar free ice creams use sugar alcohols and a ton of them um I cannot eat those, uh, but I know people who can eat like a ton of it and it's totally fine. Everyone's different, but I always like to put that disclaimer in front of something like erythritol yeah. because it can, if you're sensitive to that, man, it is like a horrible experience. <laughs> yeah. And I speak from, yeah, from.
0: I have heard that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it can be Great. If you're not, yeah. if you're not sensitive, they can be great. But I love um, allulose is what I really love to use. That is um, a Mm -hmm. plant derived sweetener that won't spike blood sugar, it's calorie free. It's literally just made from concentrated fruits. Um, So it's very natural and I love adding, I'll add it to my oatmeal, I'll bake with it. You can sub it cup for cup for sugar. So any baking that I'm doing, any recipes awesome. that call for a sweetener, there's a liquid form that has the same consistency as honey and maple syrup. So if any recipe calls for that, um, I'll use that instead. So it's a great one. I've been loving using that. I I bake with that too, and it is yeah.
0: Oh my- it's the the not having to think about it, the cup for cup ratio thing is. Uh, that yeah. see because c- again like when it comes to things that are practical like yes. that would drive me nuts trying to yes. figure out the monk fruit stevia thing yeah. is just so much harder yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah not not my strong suit yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah
0: well I and I and I love that thank you um so much for sharing that because, um, again, with people like wanting to be able to grab something, um, or like stop their pantry and we're getting close to the holidays and, and, you know, baking things that, um, are, are okay for you too. Um, one thing that I love about like the low carb. Yeah. One thing I love about the low carb, uh, you know, high protein, good fat diet is that, I do feel like I can go to a party and like, enjoy mm. the charcuterie board nice. and, you know, and, and not, I can go out to dinner or I can, I can go to events and not feel like I'm the one standing in the corner, not being able to eat anything. Nice. Um, and nice. I think that true, or that is definitely something that is, is vital to, to any diet is something that is sustainable. Um, I know to re- repeat myself from, from earlier, but, um, that is definitely what's helped me because in the past I have done that crazy binge. Um, I think you call it bingeville on your, on your Instagram. I love that. I was like, yeah, it sends you straight to bingeville. Yes. Um, and that, and that is, that is the big danger. That is the danger there. Um, and I feel like, you know, in ways we're all guilty of it, whether it's like, you know, after a long night out with, you know, your girlfriends or, or whatever it is, we always end up, yes. We always end up there. And as much as we can prevent that, you know, um, the better. Um, I do, I do have one question that I ask everybody, which is, and again, to, to, um, to say before you answer, this does not have to be sexual. It definitely can be. I fall under, I I have multiple answers to this question, um, in every different category. Um, but what makes you feel sexy?
1: Mm. Mm. That's a good question. Um, Gosh, there's like a bunch of things I can think of. Um, I'll say the first thing. Good. That comes- it doesn't have to be just one. Yeah. Oh, okay. The first thing that comes <laughs> to my mind is like good music. Like if, you know, things are heating up and there's like Cocoa melon in the background, that is a red light for me. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I need something. I need some new mu- I love music. I'm a huge music fan, so huge music person. So I want to make sure that something that is going to be, you know, I want something plain and it's got to be, yeah, it's got to, got to be sexy. It can't be, yeah, it can't be cocomelon. It's got to be something. I like, love that. <laughs> that's gonna, you know, I was, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh no. For a second there, I thought you were going to say that cocomelon was a green light instead of a red light. And I was
1: like, <laughs> wow, I never, I mean, <laughs> I, I would never that heard that, that one that before. <laughs> yeah. That's bottom. so funny we're good on that.
0: (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, yeah, exactly. Like feeling, feeling like whatever puts you in the mood or like literally just doing something good for myself or a shower or like whatever it is. Like, I I do feel like women need to find something that everybody, but like women need to find something that like makes them feel sexy. It doesn't have to have anybody else involved, but like, you know, totally. when you feel good, you're, you're just, you're able to, I feel like, Enjoy other things in life more. You I mean, like have that moment of like, yeah, yes. good.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. En- that encompasses like confidence and passion and so many things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. Just
0: music. I love asking people that question. Yeah, music. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank I so. love
0: asking people that question because there's always a different answer.
1: I know? know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone will say cocoa melon. I don't know, but.
0: One day. Yeah. I mean, to each their own. I, yeah. I'm not judging, not judging. right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Corey, thank you so much for joining me on women in the nude. I am so excited um, for all that you have going on and I, I can't wait to read your book and I'm going to dive into your podcast some more. Um, I just really think that uh, you're just a huge asset to, to women and, um, I'm like so thankful that, that you're out there and, and that you can share in this journey too. Um, and I feel like that's something that's so comforting is to have someone like you who are so, you're so educated in the field, um, and know what it's like and and to be able to talk like this, you know, in such, in the most real grounded way. So, um, thank you for sharing. And, um, and obviously to all of our listeners, um, Corey, I'm gonna have all of your details below. Um, you've got so yeah, so much to
1: check out, and I, and I
0: just I enjoy everything that you do. So Thank it you. was really lovely talking to you.
1: Yes, same. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And that's a wrap on another empowering episode of Women in the Nude. The conversation doesn't stop here. Stay connected with us by following us on Instagram, Women in the Nude Podcast, for behind-the-scenes sneak peeks, thought-provoking quotes, and updates on upcoming episodes. Subscribe to us on YouTube for full-length video podcasts, Sasha Petersa, as well as visiting our website, Women in the Nude Podcast, for more resources and past episodes. Thank you for joining us on this naked journey to wellness and self-love. Remember, vulnerability is strength, and by sharing our stories, we empower each other. Special thanks to my amazing producer, Hudson Schaefer, aka my hot husband, for making this podcast possible.